gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, and he just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks. You've all been to Williams Bryce this year, right? Look around. Thanks to Matt Vaughn and his team, it is absolutely beautiful, and they can do any version of what you saw at Williams Bryce Stadium at your business or at your home. Maybe you just want a sign that just says you're you, you've won the neighborhood lawn of the month. Even if you didn't, put one out there. Why not? And it'll look really good if you have Sinorama do it in West Columbia. They will do anything for anybody anywhere in this great state, border to border. Sinorama.com. Matt, thanks, man. They are Gamecock-owned and operated. We, of course, are built by the Barndo Co., where you can build that dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas and Georgia and in Tennessee, and there's something special. There's no doubt about it. The TheBarnDominiumCo.com and served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. The countdown is on until I get to get my first sip of that this weekend. 11, 11 tomorrow, 24. Let's see, JC. What's 24 plus 5? 29 hours, 4 o'clock Friday afternoon will be yeah the first taste of Chicken Cock as we head into another great college football weekend. Perry Orth is going to be in in about 10 seconds, and then after that, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show, and Mike Morgan will join us, the Fab Five Challenge today. Clemson might be a reality. They might be heading out of the ACC and into the, well, I don't know. I, we, we really don't know, but uh, the reports are out there. We'll talk to Mike about that and have a little bit of a national conversation with him on some things, the Michigan State situation. Of course, we got the Fab Five Challenge in that hour as well. Uh, but uh, this hour with Schubert and Mad Dog and myself, JB, we'll be talking about the Gamecocks because Carolina is looking to go get their fourth win in Knoxville since 2005. The first one came under a guy named Steve Spurrier, 16-15. to 15. Josh Brown kicked it right over the uprights, and they walked out of there with their first ever win on Rocky Top. The gentleman in the upper right-hand corner of the screen here played for that one infamous coach Spurrier, and he also knows what it's like to play in Neyland Stadium, where they're gonna, they're a little grumpy, they're a little grouchy, and they're probably going to be a little drunk 
on Saturday night because they're still pissed about what happened last year in Williams Bryce. But uh, Perry, glad to have you. The mustache looks fantastic. I know that you once again called an excellent game last Friday night as probably the best OC in the whole state. Cardinal Newman's lucky to have you, and so are we. What's up, brother? Nothing, man. No, I uh, I saw a tweet last night talking about the the three wins in Knoxville, and uh, man, it still that's the the worst, the most painful loss I think I've ever had as a player. Fifteen and um, fifteen when we fumbled and they recovered on like the twelve yard line or fifteen yard line or something like that. It's still I just because you know we we had we had battled we came back we were playing really good football in the second half driving no timeouts you know minute left in the game on the road the place was going nuts it was at night and we just I mean drill Adams made an incredible run after the catch and the guy just came behind him and punched it out and after I had threw the pass I saw him make the spin move and I was kind of like okay keep going see how far we can get get down and spike the ball and all of a sudden, as he was getting tackled, I just heard, like, the crowd just blow up. And I was like, why would they be so – like, the first thought is, like, why are they so excited over a tackle? Then, it like, the next one was like, oh, shit, no, he didn't. <laughs> See the guys dive onto the ball, and, uh, man, it was painful. But it was a great game. It was a great experience as uh, as a player to be in Knoxville. It was It was the loudest place that we ever played, that I ever played. My parents will tell you it was the loudest environment they've ever been in. Um, I remember the next day, because, you know, Knoxville's not far, as you guys all know, from uh, from Columbia. And um, my yeah. parents were up there at the game, drove down. We had lunch the next day in Columbia. And uh, my mom was like, man, my ears are just still ringing from the night before. So all that being said, as we know, Tennessee – um, and Rocky Top, you know, 105,000 plus, it's going to be absolutely bonkers. Must win game for both programs if they want to have a shot um, to go to Atlanta. And, uh, True. you know, tough place to play. But, you know, Tennessee's got some revenge on their mind. But, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. If you look at the series between South Carolina and Tennessee over the last 10 years, excluding the two um, – previous seasons last year and the year before they've been neck and neck ball games um like three point i think there was at one time there was like seven or eight contests in a row where the the, the score was decided by three points or less um mm-hmm. i expect um the game to get back to that type saturday night but i do like i do like the gamecocks pulling out a victory there Oh, well, that's a great way to start our Thursday here. Uh, somebody knows a lot more than the rest of us, as Lance just called you in the Nanosports chat box. The earthquake uh, has arrived. Um, yeah, Perry, it's, um, I remember that 15 game well. I was sitting in the corner of the end zone when that ball popped out of Jarrell's hands and thinking to myself, you, you hurt for Jarrell. He was at the game this past Saturday night. He was recognized on the field, him and um, – and, Somebody else was there. Was it Sedarius? Was Sedarius there? Somebody Sedarius Hutcherson? Yeah, I think Sedarius Hutcherson was there, wasn't he? With Jer- I know Jarrell was there. Um, I don't know. I didn't make it to the game, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, they got recognized. Jarrell's lost some weight. He, he looks pretty th- – like you. Yeah, yeah. Y'all must be on the same workout plan. Um, but he, you felt for him because he had turned into a, an outstanding football player 
but we all know he's a great guy too. And, um, and yeah. that, and he was trying to make a play and, and y'all were going to score. You were going to score, uh, at the minimum, you kick a field goal and go into overtime. And yeah, we've, we've we had were, some overtime games up there. Yeah. We were right there and we had really thrown the ball well in the second half and I felt confident and I just, I mean, I, I can't Justin's remember it was verbatim, but it was close. It was a good ball game, good Tennessee team, nothing great, but you know, not too much, uh, not, not too much different than, than Tennessee, uh, the Tennessee team that we're going to play on, on Saturday. Um, I like Josh Dobbs as a better quarterback than Joe Milton, in my opinion. Josh Dobbs is still playing in the NFL right now and playing, not back like he's starting for the Cardinals right now. Um, they had some really explosive players. Um, I can't remember, but I'm almost positive Alvin Kamara was on that team. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they had some dudes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, like I, if you look at our game, Saturday from a just a pure matchup standpoint you know you look at quarterbacks I like us I mean shoot receivers obviously I like us Xavier Leggett might be the best receiver in college football right now can I Um, can I interrupt you there haven't you thrown with him before I have you know this summer when when I threw with Josh Van for his pro day um, right before he left for minicamp this was back in May break when all the kids were gone um Josh had me throw some passes to him over at the facility, um, you know, about five or six times before he left. And every time we threw, Xavier went, was out there running routes with us. And um, he's just so physically impressive. I don't think watching him on TV does a justice of how just physically built this kid is. I mean, he's built like a tight end and he runs like a sprinter. Um <laughs> And he's really progressed in his uh, in his route running, his hands. He just looks like a pure wide receiver now. And then with his ability to do things in you know in the special teams game and at receiver, I mean, he's going to be a high draft pick. I mean, if he keeps on what he's on, keep, you know, with the production level that he's at, you know, I like him to be a first or second round guy simply because um, his speed. Who does he remind you of? Man, he's like a faster, more explosive Brian Edwards. I think when his body is similar, Brian's a little bit more leaner. You know, Xavier Leggett is just huge. You know, I, I saw a great comparison, a lot like A.J. Brown. Um, yep. He, it's very similar build, just big, really good run after the catch. It's almost like you just put it in there, the area of the field, and they've got a chance to make a play. Um, he, he would be the most comparable NFL receiver, in my opinion, but – the dude can play and he's going to have, as long as he stays healthy and stays hungry and motivated, he's going to have a really good pro career. Shane told a story yesterday. Uh, he was on last night with Alyssa on the out of pocket show on, um, on the sec network. And he's told this story before we've all heard it. I, and, I, and, but it's neat to hear it again. And the rest of the country got to hear, or at least those watching the sec network last night about, a Friday night at 1030. Uh, now, Perry, we've been athletes. Uh, Friday nights at 1030, unless you got a game the next day, generally, you, you got other things on your mind. Um, we, we, you know, you went to Carolina, I went to Carolina. There's a pretty popular place to be hanging out on Friday nights up there. Um, but uh, Shane told the story about how Xavier had called him and had to get the security guard at the facility on the phone uh, to – so Shane could tell him, hey, you can let him into the facility 
And he said, why are you there? What are you doing? And he said, coach, I could be in five points, but I really want to get some work in. And he was like, no, no, okay, that's fine. Just stay there. Just just do do what you – I'll take care of the security guard for you. Yeah, uh, and I think, I think that's, that story is perfect. I mean, that that was the vibe and the, the everything about Xavier that I personally got in the five or six interactions I've had with him. He just – the guy just loves the game. I mean, I was throwing routes in the middle of the day, granted. You know, it was hot when I'm throwing to Josh. And typically guys, you know, may break. It's kind of like time to coast or just kind of get by to get ready for June and summer workouts. The dude was locked in, working his tail off, working on coming in and out of his breaks, working on his pad level, you know, at the start of his routes and staying low and then gradually gaining, you know, height as he was finishing his routes. And just when you have people like that, it's infectious around your team. And when you have a team full of guys like that, you have a, excuse me, you have a chance to be successful. And, um, you know, that, that's why that, again, that's the, the, the vibe and the personality of this team that I get. That's why I like us to win. I still think that we're going to have an outstanding season, even though we did lose North Carolina in a, in a, uh, in a not great way, played Georgia phenomenally. But, you know, I, I do want to run back to what I said about four weeks ago after the North Carolina loss when everybody had hit the panic button on this offensive line. And, you know, if you guys remember, I said, guys, give the staff and give the kids time to get taught, make adjustments, make corrections. You know, I use the example of us at Cardinal Newman. We had a kid playing guard um, to start the year. And then, you know, guard and center combo weren't getting blocking in the run game like we thought. We literally just switched positions with them. And it was like, boom, it all was cured. And um, I'm not, I don't, I don't know the ins and the outs of what the Gamecocks have done, but it seems that they've made the corrections they've needed to. The pass protection has been way better. The running game rushed for over 100 yards Saturday, actually did a great job defensively of slowing down their run. Um, we we're making improvements in the area that we need to make improvements in as a team. And that again, is kind of why I'm not just like garnet goggles. I like the Gamecocks because Spencer Rattler's playing well, like every other fan's going to say, right. There are reasons to believe of why we're going to win Saturday night and finish with a really great record and a really great team come the end of this year. Perry Orth, former quarterback at South Carolina. It's 11-15 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, uh, we'll get J.C. and Phil in. I know they want to ask you some questions, too. I, I Specific to the game Saturday night, Perry, and, and I, I I did mention some of this yesterday um, on our program because uh, we, we – there is a – there is a feel around here that South Carolina – actually might be better than Tennessee. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. We'll find out on Saturday night. Um, But there's also, you know, JC said yesterday, I'm not sure why everybody thinks we're going to walk in there and watch the Gamecocks just get blown out. And I I followed that up with, I don't disagree with that sentiment. I I think that there is a PTSD in this fan base. And until you're able to come through and kind of wipe all of those slates clean – it's going to continue to kind of linger, and here's what I mean by that. Only a couple of years ago, you looked up at the end of the first quarter, and and you 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 felt like your eyes were going to bleed out watching this team try to play football 
up in Knoxville, on top of the fact that a defensive end came in on the one-yard line and threw an interception instead of, you know, just putting the ball in the end zone. Um, there have been numerous times over the last few years, and not only under Coach Beamer, but at the end of Coach Muschamp's career where road trips were just hell on earth for Gamecock football. Uh, now, that has not been the case the last couple of times they've gone on the road. I mean, they, were, they, they dominated Georgia in the first half, couldn't hang on yeah. against the top-ranked team in the country, and their last true road game before that, they went up Clemson won. Okay, but there, but there still is PTSD. I'm saying all of that to say this: the regardless of the two and two record and the outcomes of both North Carolina and Georgia games, uh, Perry, all four games have seemingly started on an even keel, mellow with a with an even keel, mellow feel to the offense, as in like Dowell Loggins seemingly has a game plan to just kind of ease them into the game. Um, you, you don't look up and feel like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, we're just slinging it around. The crowd's into it. We're down 14 nothing. Like he, him and Spencer Rattler combined have this chemistry that allows this football team to settle in. And then you go from there. Can, can you describe that and explain that and maybe how that's different from years past? Uh, clearly, Rattler deserves a ton of credit and Dowell gives him all that credit every week. But I feel like Coach Loggins deserves a lot of credit as well because I think it's very key this weekend that in the first 15-plus minutes of the game that you find a way to keep this thing at bay. Yeah. Well, um, I think that if you or everybody watching, if you watch NFL football, he calls plays like an NFL OC. The way that he does gradually bring quarterbacks up to speed into a game versus rushing out and doing a bunch of stuff. You can tell by the way that we call our offensive plays that we script the first drive. But what I have enjoyed watching Dowell and I I don't know if these videos ever get back to um, the coaches on staff, but I have taken plays that I have seen past concepts that I have really liked um, when, you know, different replays are shown or say they show the big cam view after a really great play or different motions. Um, I've personally stolen some ideas from him because I think that it gives the quarterback favorable, in my eyes, favorable reads to make high-efficient throws, uh, which is why you're seeing Spencer go, what he throw, two or three completions against, incompletions against Furman, two on Saturday night. I mean, he's completing passes at an insane rate, and he, they're not, like you said, they're not rushing it out there. They're not doing anything crazy they're not reinventing the wheel i love how they utilize formations to give and put defenses in vulnerable situations i had talked about coach spurrier doing a lot of different formation variations and virtually running the same plays um you know i don't know if we're running the same plays but we're giving the defense a lot of different looks um, i loved saturday night his persistence in the run game you know, it was like three yards in a cloud of dust, three, 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 15, three, five, eight, 10, back to two, you know, but he stuck with it. And, you know, when you run the ball that way and your quarterback goes, what is it, 18 for 20? Is that right, guys? Was that yeah. a great stat line? That's and he right. scores 37 points. Guys, that's a winning strategy. You score 37 points at home, you should not lose right? You score 37 points on the road and you damn sure better not lose, right? Because in, in this league, you got to bring your defense if you want to win on the road. That's just fact. And um, I've enjoyed watching him play uh, or play call. I've enjoyed watching 
how comfortable Spencer has been um, through four games of the season. I've enjoyed watching the improvement of the offensive line. You're going to get hit. You're going to have pressure and you're going to take a sack here and there during the course of the game, especially if you, you ask the guys to drop back and pass protect 40 times. But when you, you, how many, do we know how many rushing attempts off the top of your head? 43, four. Was it 44 guys? Or was it higher than that? It might've been. What do you think? This is 44, uh, 20 pass attempts. Yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. If you go back and you look at our, our game, I mean, we um, we just stayed in in control of the game from, in my opinion, from start to finish. Now, we did 47. give up. Some, yeah, we, we did give up some big pass plays, and that was, you know, a little unfortunate. But, um, you know, that, that also is going to happen. I mean, look at the here you go. Third down efficiency. We're a little better, but basically even. Um. You know, we won the turnover battle. We won the rushing battle by almost, golly, by over 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, Red zone efficiency was probably better than theirs is. It doesn't have that stat right here. Um, But, you know, you you take away the fumble that we had at midfield. You know, we we win. That would have been 44, you know, to 23. Right. that one turnover we had, but all in all, I mean, 18 for 20, 288 in the air. You know, you get uh, 47 attempts for 144 yards, three yards per carry. Yeah, you don't like that, but you slow the game down. You stay three yards. You get three yards every play. You get four downs. You do the math, right? You're going to get 12 yards after four downs. That's the first down. So, um, you know, I, I was I was really pleased with I love the outcome. You know, when I got out of college and I was like, if I ever coach, I'm gonna be five wide and just pass game you to death. I, I could not be further from that now. And I, I agree with that. That's a winning formula. Um for some reason, guys, you guys have been South Carolina fans longer than I have. That style of football wins at this program. And it's kind of funny how certain programs have certain identities and that is a, a winning program or a winning formula for this program. Don't know why, um, but it is, you play tough defense, stop the run, turn the ball, get turnovers, you run the football well, and you throw the ball efficiently. Even with Spurrier, our, our, our years, you go back, I mean, the years of, of late Garcia and Connor and looked like games just like this. Except for, you know, Marcus had, you know, 35 carries over 26 that Mario Anderson had. So um, those are winning strategies here. Play good special teams with what we have. And I promise you, we're going to look up and we're going to win a lot of football games playing that way. Yeah, 14 and one now under Coach Beamer when they run for over 100 yards. I wanted to get your, your, that's it. That's the name of the game. I mean, we, we, we got to find ways. And Mario Anderson ran the ball so hard. He's such a big presence. I mean, I, I can't imagine what this dude was doing at the Division II level. I haven't uh, seen his film at Newberry, but he was probably hurting people. Well, he was up for the Heisman at that level, wasn't he, J.C.? He ran for 3,700 yards or something. Harlan Hill trophy. He averaged 7.4 yards a carry last <laughs> year for Newberry. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, he was uh, – He was the staff really – I mean, when, when they signed him, they were like, well – we're not so worried about Marshawn Lloyd leaving. Um, and then it was kind of just an adjustment period for him. 
you know, that's spring. Right. He was just adjusting to the. That's a that's a jump. It's not as big, um, not as big of a jump, uh, you know, as, as from high school, but it's still a jump. And and you know, I, I've always kind of had a faith in that guy. Uh, I think he's, uh, he, you know, I went back and watched the spring game, and, and he was really close in that spring game to breaking some. And as the game went on, he got better. So. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. And I think you take him, you take Spencer's ability to run the ball. And I'm going to ask you that Perry, cause, uh, you know, you, you had some little, you had a little zone rate action, uh, when you were playing and, uh, and now it looks like that's part uh, of the offense with Spencer. Yeah. He's running the ball confidently now and, and actually kind of fast. I mean, if you look yeah. at him, mm-hmm. um, and then to carry on joiners remains really good. Uh, inside the red zone, sniffing the end zone out, you know, yep. as far as that goes. So, you know, what do you uh, kind of like those three parts moving forward with the run game? You know, what, what do you think about that and and how that's going to help this team move forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to again, it's going to help provide more balance when they have to account for everybody rushing, you know, and Spencer's done a great job of taking care of his body. His only big hits have come when he's in the pocket. When he runs the ball, he finds a way to get down, avoid the big hit. But, I mean, he's not a very tall guy, but he's built. I mean, he's a good-looking athlete. And so, you know, I don't expect him to get, you know, slung around like a rag doll necessarily. But, um, you know, he's a great football player, runs it well. He, he's just got a knack for the game. Like, he, he doesn't really seem under duress even when he is, like, watching on TV, his facial composure – he just seems to be calm and composed. Um, you know, he's he's obviously he's an elite football player. Um, but yeah, I, in DK, DK's been doing it since his Fort D days. He finds a way to get in the end zone, and now you know he's put on some weight. And he's probably lost a step or two, but um, you know he finds a way to get in the end zone. And with that kind of run, mix, and match, and if our offensive line is going to get pushed. This is a great identity for our program to stick to, especially with the kids that are coming um, on both fronts, both offense and defense. And if they stick to this style of football, um, you know, ultimately this is what's going to win. And you look at getting, and I know I'm speaking down the road, but you look at um, Lenora Sellers coming in and with some of these guys and some of these high profile recruits on both sides of the ball, you know, you, you're going to look up and, and find this team in, in the that 12-team playoff probably regularly, right? Especially with the conference realignment, you can lose three games and find your way in. Um, so um, I'm, I'm really pleased with the direction they're heading in. It really does look like this year, it, it does look like a Coach Beamer team. I know the first year was, you know, just trying to put, put a team together and win some games after a depleted roster. And then last year, you could kind of see it coming. Then through mm-hmm. the end of the year, it kind of exploded onto the scene, and now we kind of look like, you know, we look like the 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 probably the team, the program that he is wanting to build, much like his dad built um, at Virginia Tech. Very blue collar. There's no question about that, Perry. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this last one or two. By the way, um, the uh, the 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 somebody asked John asked the question in the chat box. Who was the one loss when the Gamecocks ran for over a hundred? Two years ago, Tennessee in Knoxville. So let's hope that doesn't happen again this year. Um, That's kind of an anomaly, though. If you look, it at was it. yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't right. like we our defense like just we was not ready for for what hit them. 
And so, you know, we rush for a hundred and lose, but that that's truly an anomaly. So, I mean, say what you want, guys, the data doesn't lie. It's like in business. That's all I do now. Basically, I'm just reading data, seeing how we can progress our company. You know, we're good in this area, this region. How can we, you know, invest more dollars here? The data does not lie. You got to study the stats. Um, obviously, there are anomalies to certain things, but you got to understand, star that game as probably the outlier and, you know, hammer the run, hammer the run, take care of the football. And you're going to love, you're going to love the, the end result of 90% of the games you're playing. Well, to, to look at it from a, from a different lens that that game in Knoxville two years ago, if you, if you just didn't play the first quarter, uh, Carolina would have actually won the game 20 to 17. So we'll, we'll just go by that moving forward. <laughs> I well, I mean, yeah, you, can't, you can't do that from like a, oh, well, we, you know, we'll win this this time. But what you can do is you can use that as a, yeah. once we took a deep breath and settled in and we're like, well, we're going to lose anyway. So we may as well just play, play the game the right way and play football. You know, there's something well, to be said for that. I think that that game actually, I'm not saying that the result would have been any different. I'm not saying that at all. I do think that South Carolina would have settled into the football game had I the 153 yards they ran for that night had they run for 154 because they were on the one-yard line when Coach Satterfield elected to bring Jordan Birch into the game to throw a left-handed pass into the corner of the end zone that got promptly intercepted after they ran the ball all the way down the field. What was the um, score? What was the score at that point? Does anybody fourteen nothing? It would have been fourteen to seven. Yeah, it was fourteen nothing. Changes changes the scope of the game. Yeah, yeah they literally turned around and scored again. It was 21, 21 nothing. I mean, you could tell, you could see it. They were deflated. They were like, "Oh my god!" Tennessee is a momentum team too. You oh, cannot gosh, let man. them. Uh, you cannot let their defense. I mean, I remember watching them against LSU last year, and you know, Hooker was out there throwing bombs. They were kind of scoring at will. Yeah, but it was their defense that consistently LSU tried to play slow down and kind of stuff. You know, run it very. I, I don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> LSU did a lot different after that game, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee got so much momentum from, you know, negative plays and put it behind the sticks with their defense and, and then yeah. just score, score, score. And maybe you look up and it's 24, nothing and that's it game over. So I, I think, I think stop matching their momentum, which is what South Carolina did last year, every single time yeah. they answered. I think that's important, especially with this crowd uh, up in Knoxville Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. And then my last thing, and then I do got a split. Yep. I gave you those four keys, right? Non-defensive touch or non-offensive touchdown, red zone efficiency, third down efficiency, rushing battle. For this game, Friday night, or I'm sorry, Saturday night, penalties. Count the penalties of the balls. They they love getting penalties. Personal fouls, holdings, face masks, just pay attention for it. it. It if you go back and look, I would like to venture that they're at least averaging 10 a game. And that, that might be a difference in the game. Just saying. Might be. Well, I hope they do get uh, 10 penalties. I'll have to go and, and, and look at their numbers there uh, from Coach Fink here in just a little bit and see if those correlate. But um, Carolina, on the flip side, has got to be careful too because playing two true freshmen up front like they will do on Saturday evening, yep. the last time they were in Athens, you had those true freshman mistakes. Hopefully they've worked through them, but can't have a bunch of false starts, things like that up there. You you got to. Especially if you're a wide receiver, Perry, just watch the snap yeah. of the ball. You're not listening for anything. Just watch the ball. Um, but um, all right. So you said they win. Uh, what, yeah. what, what are we going with? Seventy-five to nothing. 
or we want to give the balls three, 28, six points? 28-24. Defensive game, really. That would be yep. a defensive game in my mind. Yeah, 28-24. Milton's going to throw us at least one, maybe two, but he's going to throw us at least one. Secondary is going to get figured out. Clayton White's one of the best in the country when it comes to coaching the secondary and overseeing that area. Um, okay. They're going to be good to go. I hope it goes to my man, Marcellus Dial. He's got good hair and he's a good dude. So <laughs> he's, he's due. Perry, thank you, brother. I hope you're right. If you are, I'll be calling you around midnight on Saturday night and we'll have a bourbon to it. No doubt. All right, guys. We'll see you later. There you go. The, uh, the great one, Perry. Orth, or as somebody called him earlier, the Orthquake. We need to step aside when we return. Chris Phillips will join us from the Spurs Up show. Mike Morgan's ahead in 30 minutes as well. It's a jam-packed Thursday afternoon, and we hope you will stick with us. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Letmepaintsomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
All right, it's 11.36. Welcome back. Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios and served by our friends at Chicken Cock Whiskey. Can't wait to get my hands on that tomorrow. By the way, backing up uh, J.C. Yer and Perry's conversation about Spencer running the football, just six explosive runs this year for Carolina's offense. Those are uh, explosive runs are described as 12 yards or more, five of those six from Spencer Rattler, two in the North Carolina game, one against Furman, and two against Mississippi State. Joyner had the other where he ran for 16 yards against the Paladins. So I figured I'd throw that in there since y'all were talking about it. Chris Phillips joins us to talk as well with the Spurs Up show here a, uh, about 25 minutes before the top of the hour. What's up, man? JC, JB, Phil, what's going on? JB, that was a great stat, by the way, about the explosive runs because I was just thinking about the role of Rattler's legs in this game and I think the evolution of him running the football, and that's been something I've been really impressed with among plenty of other things, but the way he's been willing to get outside of the pocket, obviously scrambling to throw, not to run, but he's willing to tuck it and run and get a big first down if needed. And Yeah, he's he's quietly been very good with his legs. I don't think anybody would call him fast necessarily, but he's got just enough wiggle to to be a problem in that area. So even had a keeper of his own, right? I think they called that in that game against State. So that's a heck of a stat you just threw out there. You know, Perry Orth wasn't fast either, but he (laughs) quick enough. He he could get six. He could get sixty-seven yards downfield within a matter of minutes. I think I think Spencer's got him in the speed. Department, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Yeah, Spencer's got quick. If you notice how he runs, he, he he's got quick feet and he accelerates. Uh, well, he's, he's, man, I'll tell. I'll never <laughs> hey. forget that. That and uh, and and uh, Staley's uh, interception, pick six in East Carolina a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, to, no, and Ironically, Damani Saley. Ironically, I was in a bar both times, and ironically, I think I got a whole beer down while they were running, and made a text message, and I responded well, to a text message. I don't know that that's that big. I've seen you drink a beer before, and you can get one down <laughs> they pass the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's true. That's true. But uh, no, nah, it's just like I just got to look down, look back up, look around, look back up, answer a text. Oh, they're still going, you know. Um, but uh, uh, that was, I mean, what was what was John Chavis calling for A and M that day? I mean, because uh, that first half. Carolina just went up and down the field and did just – I mean, Lorenzo Nunez had a reverse pass for a touchdown. I mean, it was – anyway. Uh, yeah. Don't mean to bring back up 20, 2015 season, which was eight years ago, which makes me that's, feel like I am indeed going to go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But I, I like the Rattler run game, uh, incorporating that. I mean, and I think that will help uh, – Chris, see what you think about it. It will help Mario Anderson and – Joiner and those guys, because you got to if you got to account for Spencer running the ball, you know that takes another guy out of the box, and then you know, it's just another thing you got to worry about. Yeah, I mean, guys, I think you look at the history of South Carolina football. It's it's uh, no accident that the best teams, it seems, best offenses in school history have come when you've got a mobile quarterback that can do a little bit of both, right? Even a guy like Stephen Garcia, he was more than willing to keep the football, put his shoulder down, and get those extra yards you needed. So it just gives the defense something else to account for, right? When you've got a guy that can run and throw, and he doesn't have to be an elite runner. He doesn't have to be a Connor Shaw. He doesn't have to be 
necessarily a speedster, a Savelle Newton, but just you have that in your arsenal. Uh, for an offense, it's already clicking in the passing game. Obviously, you're trying to get that run game going, get some balance. And, you know, if you can do that with your quarterback's legs, to your point, JC, it obviously opens things up and just, again, gives the defense something else to worry about. So, you know, you don't want to do that too much because obviously Spencer Rattler at this point, he's the heart and soul of this football team. And so you don't want to don't want to put him in harm's way. Obviously, I would not be asking him to put the shoulder down like Steven Garcia did back in the day, although there was no telling him to to slide. I'll never forget last year, Steven told me that uh, Coach Spurrier wanted him to slide, and he told Coach Spurrier, Coach, the only thing sliding for is for baseball and DMs. I don't slide, so uh, which is a classic just Garcia response. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you want to limit it, obviously. You don't want to put Rattler in harm's way, but I think incorporating that in the offense, yeah, opening things up for Mario Anderson, D.K. Joyner, uh, Juju, Braswell, the rest of that running back room, because you're going to need the running game. It's like we talked about all week, J.C., J.B., and Phil, that it can't just be Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett. There's got to be some semblance of of balance and a rushing attack, and if you can do that, it's going to open up that passing game big time for some big explosive plays, I think, down the field. So, um, you know, what is your second pitch? What is your other thing outside of Rattler, Leggett? I think that's the big question going into Saturday night, a game that you're probably going to need a lot of points. What are you, what are you most fearful of on Saturday evening? I'm most fearful, JB, of all of the reasons that I thought South Carolina was going to get the win this past weekend. Those are all now going against the Gamecocks. When it comes to the home field advantage, when it comes to the environment, when it comes to the momentum that that creates. Because I do look at this as like a 50-50 toss-up game, and I looked at Mississippi State much more in that light than I think many others. I think some Gamecock fans were even – disappointed right that the score was tied at any point or a one score game but I mean we've talked about it guys three through 13 in this league anybody can beat anybody on any, any given Saturday and that's always been true but this year with with the parity that we're seeing I think it's even more true so like I, I don't look at Tennessee as some you know before the season I think we were all saying they were the clear-cut fourth best team in the SEC second best in the east like I, I don't know that I really look at Tennessee that way anymore because we just don't know right they very well may be that but at this point we just don't know. Their only game in SEC play was against Florida, and they got beat pretty good in that one. But, you know, dealing with the crowd, dealing with the environment, uh, the way things, I think, can get kind of sideways and out of, hand, out of hand. And, you know, I, I think that could be, you know, South Carolina could use that to their advantage as well, though, because I think this is a fragile Tennessee Volunteers football team, football fan base program, everything else, and just the sense that yeah, they look they look back at last year, the pressures on this one to to get revenge, wearing the black jerseys. Like if Spencer Rattler is able to get that offense, you can start fast, punch them in the mouth. You know, I think they could have the the syndrome of oh no, here we go again. So, you know, my greatest fear, JB. I mean, there are others, obviously, getting shut down, being one dimensional. Um, you know, not not having a second pitch offensively and, and Tennessee accounting for that. Also, keeping Spencer Rattler upright. Tennessee, one of the best in college football at getting after the quarterback. Granted, you take into account the competition they play, but they are still doing it at a high level, right? You know, we, we talked about Georgia. They weren't getting after the quarterback and they were playing. Nobody's Tennessee, give them credit, is at least getting there. So, But I think dealing with and combating that night game atmosphere at Neyland, it just seems like in a 50-50 game like this, that makes a big-time difference. And Neyland Stadium, guys, we know <clears throat> has been a house of horrors for South Carolina football. So um, you got to play just that much better on the road. And, uh, you know, you make a mistake or two, and it's it's funny how they seem to compound on you when you're uh, away from the friendly confine. Oh, sh- um, Sorry. <laughs> Are we, they yeah, okay? we, we've got a – we have a – we have a 
nutcase on the loose over here. Everybody's home from school, and now we've got the alert to lock our doors because they can't find him. He shot two people. So that's really that's Jesus. that's the life on James John's oh, Island today. Yeah. Um, so luckily, all my doors are locked, but uh, probably bring my kids upstairs here in just a minute. Um, uh, you know, you said the word fragile, and I think that that uh, that plays right into where I was going with this because when you are fragile, you can fall apart really quick, but you can also go the other way. And and I think that Joe, look, Joe Milton, we all know that he is not as anywhere near as accurate as as uh, Hendon Hooker. He's not or was. Um, he's not as accurate as Spencer Rattler is currently um, and all those type things. But that doesn't mean that he can't be one time and, and, or one night, one moment. Okay. And, and, and I think that is, and again, it's probably a little bit of PTSD because we've seen some, some, some things unfold over the last few years where it's like, how does everybody have a career night against Carolina? It seems like I mean, Mississippi <laughs> state just had a guy do it last week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I'm getting at here is, if it all clicks, he's got the skills and he's got the ability. We know that. There's a reason why all these people talk so highly about this cat. And, you know, if it all clicks on one night, Joe Milton, South Carolina aside, Georgia, Bama, whoever, he could probably go out and beat just about anybody he wants to beat. Uh, so I'm anxious to see what they do to make him uncomfortable in the ballgame. And it's not like Joe Milton has been bad, guys. Like, you look at his numbers, eight touchdowns to one interception. You look back at that Florida game. I mean, he, he's not the reason they lost, right? It was a lack of running game, and they got whooped physically up front on both lines of scrimmage, could not stop the run in that game. So, you know, to your point, I think anybody who had expectations, if you're a Vols fan or just an SEC fan, you had expectations of Joe Milton being Hendon Hooker. Um, I think you were setting somewhat of unfair expectations because Hooker wasn't just really good. He was – historically good, right? I mean, I think it's a shame still that he was not invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. But, uh, you know, it's we've talked a lot about this all week, getting the balls off schedule, right? It starts with the running game for them. They love to run the football. I think it was JC or somebody else told me that they're actually averaging more yards per play on the ground than they are through the air, which really tells you, you know, the way they're able to run the football, how effective they are in doing so. So that, that's what they want to start with. But, you know, to your point, JB, it's one of those things where, you know, I've already gone on record, picked Tennessee to win the football game. And I just kind of go back to what I've said all offseason. It's like Tennessee, I, I, I picked them to go nine and three this year. I didn't think they were necessarily going to be world beaters or be what they were last year. But if there's one game where I think it all comes together for Tennessee and they're going to play their best football, it's it's going to be this one. And if South Carolina wins this football game, it won't be because it was a comedy of errors from Tennessee and and Tennessee just vomited all over themselves. It's because South Carolina went out there and won the football game and took the football game and played an elite level of football because I just I think Tennessee is going to be laser focused, locked in on this one and I mean they're certainly not going to be sleepwalking through it by any means, but uh you know, it, it, it's back to the fragile comment. It really does it, – it, it can go one of two ways. Like a, a night like this can galvanize a fan base and a football team and make them rally around each other and come together. Or it can break you, right, because the same thing can be said if Joe Milton starts out rocky, he throws a couple of interceptions. I heard Perry saying he's going to give Carolina one or two. He does that, you're going to hear cries for Nico from that fan base. And that's obviously the last position you want to be in. It, win, lose, or draw, right, to have a quarterback controversy – through five weeks of your season and people calling for the five-star freshman. So it's a huge night for Tennessee. I would probably say more pressure is on the balls than South Carolina because, hey, you're the double-digit underdog on the road. This one's been labeled as the revenge game, and how sweet would it be for the Gamecocks to 
to go back in there and, and somewhat play spoiler once again. Yeah, that's what I think. All- it's like with all the hype surrounding this from the fans' perspective, is you don't even have to like jump on top of them and get 14 to nothing or something in the first quarter. If you keep this game close relative to what their expectations are, because I think they're kind of overinflated, you can deflate kneeling by keeping it close right because what they're expecting is just you to go in there and get wiped out because that's how they feel like it should be the reverse script of last year so it was like you go in there and give them a game they're not going to be nuts you know you can you can win that middle eight if you will (laughs) from the fans perspective by keeping it close now let it go let it go deep into the fourth and it's like a one score game that place is going to get live again but you know try to put it away before four (laughs) Well, and we've heard it all offseason, right, guys? You know, different Tennessee personalities. We heard it back at SEC Media Days. We've seen it on social media. It's like – and you could tell, like, Tennessee fans, they don't just want to win this game. They want blood, right? Like, they want to win by 50, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen. I do think this is going to be a really close, competitive back-and-forth ball game. But, again, Phil, to your point, it's it's so imperative for this football team to go out there and, and, and throw a jab first, I think, because – Let's face it, you are going in a Neyland Stadium with some youngsters on the offensive line, and you are going. It still is a young football team, quote-unquote, as Shane Beamer's mentioned many times. So um, you've already played in Sanford. I think J.C. pointed that out yesterday. That's obviously a positive. That's something that's beneficial to this football team. They've been in a big-time environment. But Neyland Stadium at night, I think, is probably going to hit a little bit different than Sanford did at a 3.30 kickoff. But, no, to your point, man, I mean, throwing those jabs early and quieting that crowd and letting Spencer Rattler operate, I mean, I think it's huge. Obviously, it's – Kind of a no duh thing, no brainer to say you can't fall down fourteen nothing or twenty one to nothing and expect to have a chance. And you know we've seen South Carolina, right? Guys on the road have these slow starts, but against Georgia, that was unprecedented. I mean, they I don't remember the last time South Carolina got off to that type of start. And if they do that again, can they finish it and keep their foot on Tennessee's throat and not allow them to come back? So that'll be really interesting to see too. Is what type of start? You know, what's the ebbs and flows of this game? Is it like two heavyweight fighters kind of feeling each other out? Do we see South Carolina go for some early kill shots? Do we see Tennessee do the same? Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these two teams kind of feel each other out early on. I think confidence is a is a huge word this week for for the Gamecocks. And, and I don't mean that we know Spencer's confident. We know their wide receivers are confident. But – I feel like both lines of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage over the last couple of weeks have have uh, built confidence as well. And and uh, you know, regardless of the atmosphere and the environment, when it gets down to just playing football, are you confident in who you are and what you can do? And it, it certainly looks like the last couple of ball games against Georgia and Mississippi State uh, up front on the offensive and defensive lines, Chris, they have uh, they have gained confidence by growing together. Yeah, give Lonnie Teasley and Travian Robertson a lot of credit, man, because the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage, I mean, after week one, it was only one game, but I think many of us uh, didn't really know how to feel, right? It was, it was, we had no idea what those two units were going to be throughout this season. I mean, the strides they've made from then to now are, are, uh, are massive. You know what I mean? Holding your own against the Georgia Bulldogs. It wasn't perfect, but holding your own. And then Mississippi State, right, rushing for over 100 yards, which, JB, your statistic just continues to be hammered down when Carolina runs for 100 or more. Good things just seem to tend to happen for South Carolina football. And then, uh, you know, stopping the run. I mean, it's, you know, it's 
unfortunate, I guess, how if it's not one thing, it's something else with the secondary faltering. But I think that was just the flow of that game. I don't think the Gamecock secondary is quite that bad. I'm not saying they don't have issues in that department, but, I mean, they're not going to give up 400 yards a game, obviously, through the air. But it's definitely encouraging to see South Carolina slowing down the run to the rate that they are. If you'd have told me right now that the Gamecocks were top half in the league at stopping the run, I, I would have been elated and told you that, Carolina was probably three and one or on their way to winning eight or nine games. So that's how big of a deal that is. So I think both sides of the line of scrimmage, you know, I think what's most encouraging guys, you're seeing the youth movement pay off up front offensively. And you're seeing some guys defensively that have been, you know, just kind of household names we've thrown around, not because of production, but because of potential. But now you're seeing potential turn into production. Like you're finally seeing some guys starting to click for them, like a TJ Sanders. And I think Alex Huntley's been elevating his level of play. And, you know, Tonk has been being himself. Jordan Strawn coming back into form against State. And that's, that's just what you got to have. You got to have your stars have got to shine. Uh, these guys that you work so hard to recruit and you talk about all the time and, uh, they need to continue to come along and, and play better and be a force up there. And if they are, then I think South Carolina can continue to take strides forward, both offensively and defensively, because it starts in the trenches. I tell you what, guys, I, and I don't know, and I know we got to get you out of here, but this is – it's got a very Shane Beamer, Will Muschampish feel to it. The injury report for, for Tennessee, I mean, they had three wide receivers leave the game last week. It didn't return. That includes Brew McCoy. Jalen Wright went out. And Joe Milton, you know, when you when you when you read the injury report and you see the quote from Josh Heupel, uh, we I feel like we've heard this around here before. Quote: I anticipate him being ready to go play really well. It, you know. Like we've we've heard that, you know, and and then you you get out there on game day and you're like, well, where's your where's your quarterback? I mean, what what's going? Like, it's not like, oh no, he's he's 100. percent He's playing. Mm-hmm. It's I anticipate him being able to go play really well, and then a guy doesn't play for some reason, and you hear after the game, kind of scratched him in the pregame. You know, after I talked to you boys last time, thought he was going to be good to go. They never had him. You know, they weren't planning to play him anyway. So I'm not saying that that's going to be the case or anything of that nature. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just a very vague interest, a very vague injury report for Tennessee. And I'm going to be probably keeping a close eye Saturday afternoon to see if anything slips out of there. How about, how about the rest of y'all? No time for gloom, dude. Yeah, South Carolina fans, I can assure you, are not the only ones who get frustrated from midweek injury reports because I actually hit up our Tennessee guy we had on the show over the summer and asked him about Joe Milton and is he going to be good to go? What's the status? And he says, you know, I think he's going to play, but, you know, with Josh Heupel, you never really know when it comes to injuries. And I was like, you would think that South Carolina was the only team that or program or fan base that dealt with that, but it seems like it's everybody else too. So they the games when shift runs with every program, <laughs> they're all the coaches are the same. They're, they're not going to reveal their cards and they don't have to. Who was it? Was it Belichick one game a long time ago that listed the whole team as questionable? <laughs> we're, we're, we're all the Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, we're all the Cincinnati. 53 guys are all questionable. What? You know, that's pretty funny. All right, Chris, we got uh, um, uh, Marcus here said uh, you've got the Vols winning 45-31. We had somebody earlier who said they wanted to know um, why uh, you, you uh, think that Tennessee uh, thinks Tennessee has a, the coaching advantage. Can you explain yourself real quick before we let you run? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. but No, no, for sure. Team. No, that, listen, that's why I do them. We, t- we talked about this yesterday. But, uh, yeah, we do the position unit comps and stuff like that. And so for coaching, um, 
I was tempted to go push, but I gave Tennessee the nod just simply put because of Josh Heupel's track record. I mean, this is a guy that I think Shane Beamer love Coach Beamer. Obviously, he's an up and comer, but he's going into his third year overall as a head coach. And Josh Heupel's been doing this thing for quite a while. He's won everywhere he's been. He's got a track record of being a great offensive mind. I mean, we did our preseason coach rankings over the summer, and I think I had Josh Heupel fourth or fifth, and had Shane Beamer eighth or ninth. And it's not disrespect, but it's just when you have a much longer resume. Uh, you know, you get the tip of the cap, and you also look at what Josh Heupel did last year with Tennessee. I know that the Gamecocks whooped him, but the fact of the matter is he took a Tennessee program that was completely broken, took over at the same time as Shane Beamer, by the way, and in two years he had the Volunteers in the Orange Bowl taking down Clemson winning 11 games. So, I mean, you, you got to give credit where credit's due, the way they've been able to operate the transfer portal, what he was able to get out of Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and that offense. And then you look at the rest of the coaching staff. And I, I, I look at Heupel as their offensive guy. He's got an OC that's followed him everywhere he's been. Uh, Tim Banks, their defensive coordinator, veteran guy, tenured guy, I think 16 years of FBS experience. Obviously, Carolina gets the nod at the special teams coordinator position every single week as Pete Limbo is the best in the country. But, you know, guys, boiling it down, it really just comes down to Josh Heupel's resume and his track record. And again, this is a big one on Saturday, though. Shane Beamer wins this one. I think all of a sudden we're having a much different conversation. But right now, I would give Tennessee the very slight edge. It's not like Josh Heupel's in another class of coach. But, I mean, you look back at his track record, his resume, and I think it speaks for itself. You win this one, and that Florida game is going to be bonkers. And Williams Bryce in a couple of weeks. Chris, we know you got to get on the air. We're going to let you run. Thank you for the extended time. Have a wonderful weekend, and I hope you're wrong in your prediction. <laughs> same, boys. Same. I've been wrong many times. I hope this one's the same yet again. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, you got it, man. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. 11.58. It's our final timeout of the uh, first hour. But look no further, fella. We found Mike Morgan. He is up next in Power Hour inside the Gamecocks the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Coach O here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, 
you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks! Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Settles in the pocket. Launches one deep down the field. Wide open at the 15. 10-5. Touchdown, 
Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield, rolling out, throws it up in the air, and it is caught. Touchdown, Troy Williamson. What a catch. Saturday evening here in Bluegrass Country. Ahead to Buckman. Slam City for Ronaldo Buckman. The 20, 10, 5, touchdown. And to Frederick. Frederick. Lays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who starred with one pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. We'll see you at Hoover. Final hour. Call it Thirsty Thursday. On Inside the Gamecocks, the show, which is part of the Chief Sports Network. And if you are thirsty, go get yourself a nice big old handle of Dixie Vodka. and Just pour that in to whatever you want to pour it into. Me, it's five-calorie cranberry juice. Make fun of me all you want to, but it makes me feel better the next morning. So we appreciate Dixie Vodka for what they do for us. And... Uh, what they do for all of you. If you win, celebrate with it. If you lose, you know you know the rest from there. Mike Morgan, Power Hour, brought to you by Palmetto Medicare and our friend, the very not handsome Brian Spencer. What's up, man? Cranberry juice, huh? You're not having like a Five. UTI uh, situation, uh, are you? It's like the movie, <laughs> the uh, what, what's the movie with uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Departed? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, on your period. Yeah. yeah. See, well. and, and we've had uh, we've had that movie on Five and Dime, and I know I'm in the minority on this. That is like I've seen it two, maybe two and a half. It's not a five or a dimer for me. I was a little disappointed in it. I think it's Jack Nicholson overacting. I think it's one of Scorsese's least impressive movies. Um not a huge fan. Maybe I just held it up to too high a standard. Again, I know I'm in the minority. Uh, I'll take the bows and arrows on that one, but not a fiver or a dimer. All right. Anyway, how you all doing? I, I like I'm coming off the top rope today. I, I'm, I'm ready for you guys. I'm it's, excited. Is, is it Goodfellas? No. no. Is Casino? It, no. Not close. Wolf I on like Wall it, Street? No. Nah. Raging Bull? No. Gangs of New York? No. It's no. uh the gang, Gangs of New York was actually pretty solid. But yeah, it's got kind of a big cast. And I mean, you know who I thought did a good job in that movie was Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon kind of did a good understated, like that role was yeah. actually pretty solid for him. And yeah. You know, I, I think Leo was a little bit miscast in it, and, and you know Jack Nicholson with his little was Irish, sort of Irish accent. Maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Over I thought Matt Damon's wife in that movie did a good job too. Vera. Um, oh yeah. Wait a minute, Stromboli. What the hell's her what name? What character was she? She was the uh, the woman. Matt, yeah, the Matt's wife, Matt girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. And then oh, kinda... that's his wife in real life. 
No, 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 in the movie. Vera. Oh, whatever. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know you're talking about. She was also in uh, Up in the Air. With, yes, uh, she was with Clooney. Yeah, her role in that was interesting. It was. Well, that's a really. That's such a dark movie, man. I, I know. Like it it's good, too. and and part of me can relate to that life, like Clooney. Like, I look back and I think of the last. You know, when I was when I was doing it at South Carolina, you're it's everything is team travel. Okay, uh, so you're taking charter flights or long bus rides if it's baseball, and you're staying uh, in in the hotel under the team. So you're it's a different deal. Same thing with the Braves. Same thing with the Panthers. Um, team travel versus when you're working for an ESPN and you're you're uh, you're traveling with everybody. There's no charter flight. I go through the same doggone security lines as everybody else. I put up with the same garbage. I've stayed in a number of Hampton Inns in Starkville and Tuscaloosa. Um, but but what what I was going to say is Clooney like you're the one thing good about all that as opposed to team travel is yeah i got status on delta now i i, I got you're, you're you're talking to uh, a guy that's earned his diamond medallion status i got a heck of a lot of points at marriott and and hampton uh, hilton um and and if you it's in, in some ways his character it's a sad existence like he's very good at his job and he loves the 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 road like you you're you become used to the road i i when I first started it, I was like, damn, this is a lot. And you're away from loved ones and you're, but then you just, it becomes part of your DNA mm-hmm. and it's a big part of your DNA. And so it's somewhat sad, but it's also rewarding and fulfilling at the same time. And anyway, that character spoke to me now having to go on the road and fire people for a living. I could never do that. Good God. That is <laughs> It's just depressing as hell. Uh, I'd rather like work at a damn. Uh, what do you call it when you uh, you take livestock and you basically turn it into chopped meat? No, uh, yeah. uh, ab- abattoir. Is that what that an is? Ab- okay, it's an abattoir. Yeah, it's a fancy yeah, word I, for yeah, uh, meat packing v- butcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's another like more crass word to describe it. I can't think of. It's probably best slaughterhouse. Slaughter. Yeah, probably- slaughterhouse. For those that are, for the big PETA contingent that listened to ITG, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a big demo for us. Hey, uh, I I worked at chicken houses at one point in time in my life. I used to did chop you really? their heads off all the time. Yeah, growing up, I worked on a farm. Oh wow! For seven yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do that either. But but at least then I'm not. Yeah, you wring breaking... their neck first. <laughs> yeah. You're not sending guys home to tell their wives or wives yes. to tell their husbands that, yeah. hey, daddy got fired today and this big mean guy named right. Mike who right. I've never met yeah. walked in and fired me. Some uh, guy in a suit just walked in and told me, hey, this is not a big deal, but uh, you're fired. And uh, yeah. here's your it's here's your pamphlet on what to do. Uh, yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll see you, man. Uh, be good. You know, I got, not going to work here anymore. Not going to work here anymore. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Although there, can't, there are some, there are some people that if I could, if I ever did have that job, I would love to walk in and do that. Oh yeah, like, okay, everybody's got that list. Yeah, everybody's. Oh yeah, it's very short for me. It's really only one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> thanks not for me. My list is long but distinguished. Long and distinguished. Long and distinguished. I'll tell you what, we'd have more fun. If the four of us combine our lists, then we'll have some fun, you know? 
Like, we can all roll in there like a team, like the Bobs on Office Space. Yeah, yeah. Because I know, I know who's on all of your lists. I know who yeah. everybody here. I know who's on the list. Well, but the, the thing is, <laughs> the people on that list are also people you want to thank in some ways. I, I, That's true. Yeah, yeah there's a point. Statement. Wouldn't stop me from firing them. I'd thank them and then no. fire them. As long as Mike can have the line about Michael Bolton and celebrating his entire collection, <laughs> and, and he goes, "Nothing does it for me like when he sings when a man loves a woman." Mike has to have that line if we go, Bob's. Gentlemen, that's, all. that's my only request. All I can say is to you, distinguish three. The pleasure is on this side of the table. It really is. <laughs> Jeez. Let's just oh, say we had some kind of, I don't know, incentive program. Would that be, would that be worth staying here? You did file those TPS reports, did you not? Now, that's a dimer, by the way, office space. That's oh, a. Yeah. Okay. They don't make All comedies right. like that anymore. I did see. I'll give you a quick reco, and then we'll get into that whole football thing. Yeah. Um, Clemson. I saw a movie in person. This is rare uh, uh, because there's just not much out there that doesn't involve again a man with a cape fighting, you know, cartoon characters or some some stuff. It's called uh, Dumb Money, and it's about the whole GameStop story. And I happened. was going to watch that. I never saw it, though. That was it good. Very well. It's it's out right now. I thought it was excellent. I went in there expecting very little. I didn't care. I just needed to go out and see the, a movie in the theater, something that I still enjoy doing. Uh, it reminded me of The Big Short, which I loved. It's an outstanding movie about the, the 2007, 2008 housing crisis that affected us all one way or another. Um, this was about the games. And I didn't understand what that whole story was. You know, I'm not a big guy in the market. <laughs> Nobody's looking at my portfolio. So what this does is it breaks it down into into a way that people like myself can understand what the hell was going on with all that. Because all I knew was some some dork with a computer who called himself Kitty was telling everybody to buy GameStop and not sell the stock. And all of a sudden, all these like random college kids that didn't know anything about the market either, they put in a thousand dollars, and all of a sudden they're worth like a half a million. And meanwhile, the 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 what they call the smart money, same term we use for Vegas guys on sports betting, they were all betting it to fail. That's what's called shorting the stock. They were betting GameStop is not going to last. And these kids basically put those guys in a really tough spot. And those guys rarely lose. They almost always went out, but these kids stuck, st stood to their guns, stuck with, stuck with their guns, I should say. And it worked out. Um, well, I won't spoil the ending for you, but you'll see it. And quick aside to that, one of the main big whales involved in that, uh, a typical New York hedge guy, when COVID happened, you know, I was about to do the SEC basketball tournament, one hour before uh, I was going to do a doubleheader with Jimmy Dykes, the, the plug got pulled. And then I get to the hotel and I just got a memo that baseball season's been canceled. Then I'm with my wife uh, in Kentucky and we've got nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I'm going insane. And I have family in Florida and the beaches were closed. So we couldn't go there either. So it's like, what the hell are we going to do? And I have a cousin who is an architect. And he says, Mike, I got you covered. I said, what do you mean? He said, you come down here. He lives in West Palm Beach. I said, but yeah, but everything's closed. Like, He said, no, no, no. I'm working on a building that's right on the beach. 
and it's a private beach. They can't tell you you can't go outside on a private beach. I said, Nicholas, we will be there in 48 hours. So we booked, we booked a flight, and this is when nobody was flying. So we're on a 200-seat Delta jet. It's my wife and I and like seven other people. And I'm wearing now, this is still during the, the height of COVID, and we're being told a lot of misinformation, and you know, we don't have to relitigate that, but people now know a lot of things they did not know. Uh, but back so we're wearing like gloves, double masked, and I'm wearing like a turban, but 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 I'm not gonna just sit in the house all day and do nothing. And we we made it there and we basically lived on the beach for two weeks, had takeout food, and that was our lives. And anyway, right next door is is like the four seasons hotel and there's armed guards outside the four seasons right by the pool overlooking the beach and i'm like what what's going on here oh yeah this hedge fund guy moved his entire company down in into that hotel and they're staying there during covid and that was this guy in the movie who was one of the major the major guys in that and was involved in this GameStop scandal because he put millions upon millions in shorting the stock. And my wife and I are like, wait a minute, that's that, that that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy who had the hotel. That's the guy who had armed guards in front of the four seasons and moved his entire operation into that building during the heart of COVID. Dude, that's nuts. Crazy. Yeah. That is well, him, much like a lot of people, took off for Florida during during COVID, never left. No, Same. well, yeah. He basically owns Miami and Palm Beach right now, or a big part of it, because he's one of the richest guys. I mean, he's got more money than almost anybody in America. He's one of the richest uh, people out there. Not quite Elon Musk rich, but he is very, very rich. That's that's nuts, dude. You should. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just a a a, a weird thing um, altogether. Speaking of which, uh, you mentioned the the gloves and the turban and the the you know the the masks and the whole nine yards. I saw a lady walking around like that the other day. I was like, ma'am, you're number one you're I, by yourself. I, number two, yeah. I, 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 you're going to need a lot more help than just strapping those gloves on. I see really. people walking outside with masks on like I, a 90 degree day in Atlanta. You do you, you do you just a little bit. Um, you. Well, you mentioned the market. Clemson obviously is exploring that. David Hood with an update this morning from TigerNet. He says, yeah, they're not going anywhere in the foreseeable future. His top sources at Clemson say, no, no. Coming up here in just a couple of weeks when they have their meetings, uh, they're not planning to depart the ACC. Could that happen somewhere down the road? Nobody's saying that can't. But the rumor over the last 24 hours that Clemson is – gone there's been some speculating as to the sec some speculating as to the big 10 uh david hood i jc you know david you could you can make the argument that he's the top reporter at clemson with the best sources there and he came out this morning and flat out refuted it and said absolutely not so uh the last 24 hours have spun but it looks like uh, that will be calmed down now mike the, the question is you know, what are they trying to do? And is it just renegotiate or what? What, what, What's your feel there? Well, perhaps I'm going to offer a little bit of facts to this with all due respect to some of the people that have been writing articles and barking. I realize anybody with a microphone and a computer now can say anything and not be held accountable. Uh, For two years, this has been going on. People saying, my sources tell me it's done. They're going to the SEC. 
and then two years later, you're still wrong. It's like you you latch on to a Sapikov tweet, and you say, "I told you it was happening two years." You know nothing. You you don't know the facts. Um, first off, do do you know how many votes it takes? Do you know which schools are against it? Do you know how Greg Sankey feels? The people that are writing a lot of these pieces don't know anything. I, I I'm just sad to say it. They they just don't. Um, you, the gentleman from that you just referenced, although I'm not too, uh, completely familiar, but he sounds like he's on the right track. Nothing is happening in the immediate future. Um, the same rumors that have been around for two years are, are, are keep circulating. There's no question Clemson and Florida State want out. They want out of this financial deal. That That is the only thing that is factually 100% correct on that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there – this would be met with a lot of resistance, not just from South Carolina, who, by the way, is not fretting Clemson. Um, I think that's a poor choice of words. I know that Gene doesn't write the headline. Um, they're not fretting. They're not sitting there quivering in the closet going, oh, my goodness, what happens? But from a business standpoint, it's obvious why Carolina doesn't want Clemson. Florida doesn't want Florida State. Kentucky doesn't want Louisville. Hypothetically, Georgia would not want Georgia Tech if that's in play. And there's other ADs that also look at it and say, well, wait a minute now. We've got 16, and we're in a good spot. If we add two more, how much more money when you when you divvy up that pie? Remember, this is not an SMU deal. The SEC is equal partners. That means Vandy's getting the same amount TV money minus you know postseason incentives. They're getting virtually the same piece of the pie as Alabama is, as Georgia is. So are you going to add Clemson and Florida State and divvy up that pie two more ways? Um, are you panicking that, oh, no, they might go in the Big Ten? No, you're not panicking. You don't need to panic. Even if they went in the Big Ten, would anybody trade the SEC's allotment of 16 teams for what the Big Ten would have? I think it would be a great move from the Big Ten that clearly doesn't care about geography to add two more uh, programs of that stature. But this is a nothing burger in terms of what has actually happened. They haven't gotten away. They haven't gotten away to get out of that grants and rights deal yet. Uh, and if they do to assume that the SEC is just going to, that they're just chomping at the bit. I'm telling you right now, my opinion, I talked to some pretty informed people on these things. Doesn't mean that everybody's right. My opinion based on what I know is North Carolina is the play before Clemson is the play. I- and the and, and and I don't I don't know if any of the people reporting on this are actually saying that, but that's pretty that's pretty clear unless it's the ultimate, you know, rope a dope, okie doke. I'm going to tell you one thing, but really we're doing something else behind the scenes. I just don't see it. So, I mean, this whole thing that October look out October is so Clemson's going to be announced in the SEC in October. And if that happens, I would be quite surprised. I, I want to throw something out there. This is not um, in any way, shape, or form a prediction. This is not something I've heard. This is not necessarily – this is nothing more than than an opinion that I'm formulating based on the uh, – I would when I say recent, I'd say uh, the actions of Greg Sankey since he's been the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference because he moves in the middle of the night. Uh, he is very calm, cool, and collected, um, or you could call it chess versus checkers. That that term is often used a lot. Uh, he's he's the best of the best at what he does. I would 
th- this is again, I'm just throwing this out there as an opinion as to what there's always a bigger play with him. I agree with everything you're saying, 100%. Mike, I Clemson and Florida State people always, by the way, only talk about this from a football standpoint. Uh, there, there are now that's the driver, I get it, but there, there's a little bit more that goes into that. I 100% agree with you with North Carolina. I think that is actually more valuable to the Southeastern Conference for a multitude of reasons, but you can't bring one program, if, if, if they were ever to do this, but you can't just bring one program in without another. I, I do have a gut feel, again, based on how they have done things over the years, that one of the reasons they will not be in any type of hurry to add any type of program that wouldn't maximize their value is because if they could ever figure out a way to do it amongst all the television deals and everything that's happened, which, again, you got to work quietly to do this, the second play to North Carolina would be Notre Dame for the SEC because that is the only fish. Notre Dame dwarfs Clemson. They dwarf Florida State. They dwarf them all when it comes to brands, and the SEC does not need you unless you are – the brand of the brand. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying they make a play to it. I'm saying those are the only two that collectively make sense to me if something were ever to happen, period. Don't disagree at all. And JC has talked about that on JC and Morgan for a while, um, that the SEC would actually be a more realistic move for Notre Dame and the Big Ten. Right. I'm here to tell you, and I don't have any inside sources on Notre Dame, but I listen to Swarbrick, and I know he's on the way out. And I know the new commissioner coming in who's got a serious TV background and links with NBC. I think we're going to be having this conversation five years from now and ten years from now, and Notre Dame is still going to be independent. I feel pretty confident in that. I I don't disagree with that either. I'm not – I'm not – yeah, don't get me wrong. I think you understood what I was saying. I wasn't saying that that, that they're even making the play. I'm saying if they were to ever make a play. Absolutely. You're ranking the top players on the board. I I know what you're saying. Slow and steady. Like, and I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And and certainly, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So many of those phone calls, I guarantee, have already been made. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing that leads me to believe that Notre Dame wants to move. I, I just think they love their unique independent status. And the new NBC deal is going to be monstrous. Uh, NBC, like, they took a catnap from sports for – you know, about a decade plus. And up. now all of a sudden they woke up and they're, they're into Big Ten football and there's, there's talk about them being in the NBA and they're going to do whatever it takes to keep Notre Dame. Promise you that. And they've got deep pockets and they just hired a guy who came from NBC to be their athletic director. They're not right. going anywhere. Um, so I, I think, look, it wasn't that long ago these type of stories about Clemson were all about Florida State. It right. was people who follow Florida, cover Florida State. They might be credible. They might be not. I don't know. Um, and saying, oh, well, it's done, it's done deal. Like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, they found the loophole. They're breaking the deal. And they're going to be in the SEC. And it's going to be announced in a matter of, well, that was like three, four months ago. And nothing happened. So the only thing we know for sure, those are two disgruntled programs, along with North Carolina, that want to get out of that current TV deal. That's the only thing we know 100%. Everything else is just a lot of speculation and a, and a lot of, like, well, hypotheticals, which we all know the hypotheticals. Could they leave for the SEC? Could they leave for the Big Ten? Could those conferences 
reach out and, and say, yes, we will take you. Bring us your huddled masses of tigers and seminoles. They could, but that's not factual. That, I mean, we, we don't know that. And again, I, you got some people asking about a certain reporter. Uh, I do know Larry Williams. I didn't read the Larry Williams piece. So I, I don't know. I read, I read the Sapikov piece this morning and some other uh, person who is not worth really mentioning uh, talking about something. So I, I think Larry Williams is actually very good at his job, just for the records. I don't know what he wrote, but I'm just telling you from, from well, he's, what he's I understand. He's the one that put I, out that information last night about the 10th and sooner than later and this, that, and the other. And Scott Hood directly refuting that this morning. So yeah. I'll let them work that out. I'm not so sure. was that was Larry that did that? That was Larry. Yeah. Okay, so Sapikoff is just kind of piggyback, piggybacking off of – Well. No, I, I I'm I got a good feeling. I I know who Gene spoke with up there um, okay. to write his column too. Of course, I would never. We probably need to just have Gene on, and he could. He, he talked about it on every other program yesterday. Uh, he went on <laughs> Paul last night. He was on ESPN in Charleston, on the, everywhere else. Yeah, uh, get Gene in to let him. You know, but Gene Gene, you know, he's got pretty good sources up there on that stuff. I I I don't know that Mike. I don't know that Clemson doesn't have one or two folks in there that aren't just kicking the dust up to, because that's what they feel like they need to do. Well, that, that's what I'm saying too. Like, it, it, you you can be a really good reporter and be duped. You can be a really good reporter with a really good source and get information that's still not exactly concrete. And I, right. I didn't read anything that said this is definitely going to happen this day, but it, there was this overwhelming. Uh, uh, tidal wave of no, 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 this is different now. I know we've had, you know, all these rumors for the last however many months, but this, this is the final domino. And I think this is, this is going to happen. And again, it, it it's always leaves some leeway, right? Because it doesn't say they're definitely going to leave. They're definitely going to go to the SEC. They're definitely going to go to the ACC. It just kind of says like there's more momentum. Okay. Well, there's been momentum going for a while. Uh, I don't know if anything, really has changed it, it you mean you have to report on it i get it but right. but there's nothing there that says oh yeah uh you you know you want to have some sources don't just talk to clemson have some sources with the sec the league that you're implying that they're going to in many cases uh yeah. what what source of the sec i'd love to know that because i've got some good ones there too what source of the sec told you that Florida State and Clemson are, are coming to the league. Right. Yeah. I I I, I I'm going to I'm going to answer that. They don't have any. Uh there there are there are no sources in the SEC office <laughs> that are saying that this that the, the SEC can't wait to jump on Clemson and Florida State. Oh that's, yeah. That's insane. That's asinine if anybody even thinks that. Like they don't need them. They that's the that's Greg Sankey and his staff, Mike, you know this as well as anybody out there. We all know this. I mean, JC, you've been covering the SEC for 25 years. Like, they've always had excellent leadership from Kramer to to Slive I mean, to, to Slive to now with Sankey. And and patience has always been key for them. Patience has always been key. Yeah. And, and look, and, there, no one is saying this can't possibly happen. No. Uh, they're but, just saying it's not inevitable. But 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 the the I think some people take internet stuff and they just put two and two together and they say cause, I mean I, my phone started blowing up this morning. I woke up and there's like three four text messages from people I know 
that are like, wow, Clemson going to the SEC. And I'm like, based on what? Yeah. Based on who? Who are you talking to? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? Could it happen? Yeah, no one's ever said it. it it's impossible to happen. But what has happened in the last 24 hours that leads you to believe that this is a done deal? Uh, I'll say I'll say one thing. If you really want to know that it's a done deal, when you hear the Pete Thamels of the world or somebody of that ilk uh, putting out there, this just in, the SEC is going to vote on Clemson. The, the ADs and presidents are going to vote on whether or not Clemson gets in the, into the SEC. If you see that reported, it's a done deal. Because much like in politics on a bill, they don't put that up there until they already know what the votes are going to be. Right. Right. So right. If, if that story comes out, then you'll know it's a done deal. Until then, I I don't know what specifically what has been reported that they're getting out of the grant and rights deal. What is the specific not Internet jargon? Because I know that was big on Florida State Seminole boards months ago. Nothing. And none of that came anything. to fruition. Right, JC? I, I mean, you and I had had we, we talked about this on the podcast. Like what what on the Florida State message boards was actually factual about Florida State getting out? Saber rattling. There right. you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, there's been so, nothing that's. Yeah, so you've got so so two major things have to happen for this to really be a story. Story. Uh, number one, you have to get out of a contract that is so ironclad that that even makes it possible. Without that, everything else that we're talking about is irrelevant and moot. Number two, if you're reporting that the SEC is the likely destination then you have to be sure that the 16 institutions, remember now Oklahoma and Texas are voters, even though technically they're a, they're a year away, they're in the room. They are in the room. And then uh, you need nine of the 16 votes, which I haven't seen that reported many places. You need nine of the 16. It doesn't have to be unanimous, but it ha- does have to be a majority to get them in. And it's not just South Carolina that would be a nay on Clemson, uh, there would be a Georgia, number. Florida. Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, as a matter of fact, I can okay. tell you this because the yeah. obvious reasons. Right, right, and then and then there there could be a lot of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Some sure. other schools that might not even care, but they know that there might be a vote on a school in their backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, for years and years, uh, there there has been strategic moves to keep schools out of leagues, not just get them in leagues. Uh, you know, they, Texas did not want to see A&M leave for the SEC. A&M certainly didn't want to see Texas get in the SEC, but that was too strong a current to stop. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put this in the same category as that. The, the, the momentum to get Texas, which, oh, by the way, has a Longhorn network that they didn't know what to do with. that happens to be owned by ESPN. And so that just kind of works itself out. Uh, without getting too deep into the weeds, like there was a lot of things that made Texas an unstoppable force when they wanted to get in the SEC. There weren't going to be enough votes to keep them out. That's not Clemson. That's not the same situation. So, and and don't take this wrong. This is not a pro or anti-Clemson rant, or you know, I, I'm just telling you what the facts are right now. And as of right now, there's nothing that's been done. That get that makes us so much closer to Clemson and Florida State being in the SEC a reality. Could it happen in time? Sure, it could. A lot of things could happen. <laughs> There's still a great deal of unpredictability 
in this whole thing. And for for months, I've been talking about this on JC and Morgan. I'm sure people are like, well, Mike's a crazy person. He keeps talking about Pac-12 and why that's important. And we don't, I mean, we've got listeners all over the country from different fans and different fan bases and different leagues. But honestly, the Pac is not exactly our strength. But I kept telling people it's relevant because when that domino falls, it's going to make its way to the Southeast. And now it has. I just don't think that next step has actually occurred where you can sit there and and logically and definitively say, oh, yeah, I mean, it's a done deal. Clemson's going to the SEC. It's 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 clear clear as day because I talked to so-and-so and it, it's a done deal. Well, I, th- I don't think any of us, including you, the uh, golden tones of Mike Morgan could have ever predicted that the Pac-12 would eventually be in some way, shape, or form joining some of the ACC, but we've got that. Yeah, that uh, one I didn't so. have on my bingo card. I did not That's have – I didn't have Stanford and Cal and SMU on my bingo card. Uh, There's nothing like a good old classic Cal Boston College Friday night on the CW under the lights matchup coming to a town near you in a couple years. We got to hit a timeout, though, Mike. Um, The Fab Five is up Mm. and uh, rocking. If you've got the app, which you all have the app, right, everybody? The Chief Sports app, you click the Salsaritas logo and you can uh, sub. Submit your picks and um, your email address and your name, and then next week some somebody will win a big old prize pack from Salsaritas in uh, Columbia. So when we return, Mike Morgan will uh, give us the Fab Five, and the three of us, well, the four of us, will make our picks. And you can do that while we're doing what we're doing. So I don't stumble over my words anymore. Let's get the hell out of here and get to a break. <laughs> so everybody, hang tight. Power Hour on Inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. (laughs) 
today. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. 
Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsa Rita's is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for sandwiches every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 i mean there's just nothing better than some good mexican music while you're just crunching <laughs> down on some tacos dude i was having a great a time mariachi, <laughs> man. that is like it just puts you in the mood man i just <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we should all be like having chips and guac and queso, eating a taco during this segment. Um, by the way, yeah. don't forget the Madilla. <laughs> yeah, well, I've always got that in the fridge. That's that's uh, that's a gimme. Modelo and Negro Modelo, two of my favorite beers. Uh, they, I'm trying to think. I don't think they had that. At, well, they might have it at Salsaritas. You'll have to ask that specifically. I do know that they have the catering hotline. And you see that number on your screen of those listening, 803-543-6297, to go ahead and get your Fiesta pack. Or if you want something bigger for more people, maybe watching the game at your home, you get the three Amigo bundles. Uh, They do all the delivery and setup for you. And, of course, two Columbia locations, Lexington and West Columbia. By the way, for those that are taking part in this, Really, it would help if you're in Columbia or if you got if you're near Columbia. Uh, they're not delivering it to like Greenville or Charleston. So, uh, if you want to win the prize pack, which is a good one, Fiesta packs worth about sixty bucks. Uh, please participate on the app that Jamie mentioned. If you want to just play for fun, that's great. But uh, we want people to be able to cash in on this prize, such as Hayne Painter did this past week, going four zero and one. I see the updated records right there. JB bragging rights still. Uh, every year. Every yeah. Year. Phil bringing up the rear 10, nine and one. Hey, we're all over 500. That's against the spread. That's not bad. That's not bad. We've got a couple. We've already, we got picks coming in. You know, we see what we, we got. got. Right. Okay. Keep on bringing. Yeah. Great, great response last week. Of course, Jamie was out. So we didn't have the, uh, the app participation, just people emailing us, on uh, jcandmorgan.com. We'll take either one. That's that's more than okay with us. All right, so here are the uh, the five for this week. Uh, first game, gentlemen, it'll be at high noon. Kentucky hosting Florida. Wildcats. I'm going to wear a sombrero next Thursday, just so everybody's aware of this. And I'm going to grab a bottle of thing. vodka. I think you can do it every episode. I mean, you know, Pat McAfee wears a, a sleeveless T-shirt. You can wear a sombrero. A sombrero. That's, that's, that's Jamie, man, he's hip. 
Uh, all right, Kentucky's a one-point favorite against Florida. Two future Gamecock opponents going head to head. We're gonna. This is a this is a separation Saturday. We're gonna start learning more and more mm-hmm. about who's really good and who's really maybe average. So Kentucky, Florida, Kentucky, a one-point favorite. Uh, let's start with the man at the top of the screen there, JC, the Mad Visor, glasses wearing, beard donning, JC shirt. I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you know. I don't have Kentucky very high in my power rankings that I do a 24-7 sports. I'm a, I'm a voter in that poll just because they haven't played anybody. I mean, really, they played nobody. But I, I do think um, I do think they're better than Florida, and so I think they'll win like a 13-10-ish type of game. So I'm going to go with the C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats. And, you know, people tend to overrate beating brands these days. Like Florida going to the top 25 just because they beat Tennessee, I thought it was an absolute joke. So expect the Kentucky hype train after they beat the Gators this weekend to be in full effect. Uh, I'm pretty similar on the logic there. I, I think it could be a low-scoring, quote-unquote, ugly kind of game. I think the best athlete on the field for either offense is Ray Davis, the former Vanderbilt running back who's now lighting it up at Kentucky. Kentucky has not been great offensively, but they haven't played anybody. They've kind of slept walk through the first few weeks. This is their biggest test. They've kind of had Florida's number. And this game being in Lexington, uh, like like any situation, you always feel like it would be more helpful if it's at night. But I because the game is in Lexington, I will take Kentucky, lay the one, and I'll take the Wildcats. Mad Dog. Similar reasoning here. I like the home game for Kentucky, even though we all know they haven't played anybody. Um, and then just to bank, you know, just kind of back off what JC said, Florida, yeah, defeated a brand in Tennessee. They got overhyped for that. Still haven't seen much out of them enough to pick them, you know, in a hostile environment. But uh, yeah, give me the cats. Jamie. I uh, I am um, I am probably I heard one time uh, go with your heart and make sure your head listens to it. <laughs> I really could care less who wins this game because I don't care about either program. But uh, I I think that I'm a little confused as to why this is one. I thought it would be a little bit bigger than that. I because Florida's beat Tennessee. That's all that is. Yeah. I mean, I, everything I JC said is true, but like Florida has had the one statement game. Kentucky is not. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think Kentucky wins by touchdown or more. Okay. So unanimous on the first game. <clears throat> all right. Game number two, Georgia, 14 and a half point favorite against Auburn. Jamie, will stay with you. Is it snakes back like a fantasy draft? Uh, which was Georgia and Auburn. I think that uh, Auburn's going to cover that, that 14 and a half. Georgia will win. Auburn covers. Mad dog. Uh, dogs by big. They're going to cover this one. I am uh, also going to go Georgia. I watched Auburn. That was one of my misses last week. Even when A&M lost its starting quarterback, uh, not that Max Johnson is chopped liver. It's a pretty good backup to have. But uh, and, and sad to see Connor Wegman out for the rest of the year. But Auburn just has no offense. It's – it's not a Hugh Freeze issue. It's a it's a personnel issue, clearly. Uh, so I'll take Georgia. Yeah, Auburn's gonna have a hard time scoring. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know that the dogs are the lighted up uh, death machine they were last year uh, on office. 14 and a half seems a little low to me. Uh, I know the crowd will be in the game, and, and I expect some anxious moments in the first half, but Georgia will eventually take control of this game and win by, I feel like, 17 to 21 points at the end of the day. And it's just because Auburn's just going to have a hard time scoring, you know, in this football game. Georgia's won nine out of the last ten, and this mm-hmm. is one of those, like it's a classic rivalry, but it's been terribly one-sided. LSU minus two and a half against Ole Miss, the fighting Kiffins with another chance at a statement upset, if you will. Yeah. Uh, they did not come through against Alabama last week. Will they come through this week, JC? This is the Coach O Bowl. <laughs> Uh, LSU by a field goal. So I'm, I'm going to lay the two and a half, but expect a very good football game. I'm hoping for a really good football game. I'm hoping Ole Miss shows up. I am, I'm hoping we see the best that Ole Miss has to offer. Uh, but I still think LSU is too much. I'll take LSU as well. Mad Dog. Uh, same. Yeah, I think LSU it might be more than a field goal here. Okay. That would be a cover. This- this would be consecutive weeks where Ole Miss loses to teams ranked number 13. Bama was 13 last week. LSU is 13 this week. I don't believe in that. Uh, I think that uh, they'll find a way to get it done. I, I, I really do think Ole Miss, this will be where it turns for Bama. Everybody thought they were out two weeks ago, right? This will be where it turns for Bama. LSU would take their first loss of the year at Ole Miss. Close game. I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a good game. And there's a, there is a signature win for Lane Kiffin. There's one of them. Uh, Notre Dame at Duke. You might notice that uh, I've got Wallace Wade Stadium behind me. First time they've mm-hmm. had game day in town. Yeah, uh, Wallace Wade will be kind of rocking, maybe <laughs> with a lot of Notre Dame fans. Yeah. Oh, ouch! Shots fired. Uh, Notre Dame five and a half point favorite at night under the lights at Wallace Wade. Jamie, what do you think? I really like Duke, but I don't like them to win the game. I mean, I, I just – it will – it'll be kind of a weird situation. There is no home field advantage there for Duke. I, I think that Duke is winning games because Duke's a good football team, but Notre Dame's better. It's at seven – it's at five and a half, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a late cover for Notre Dame. Late cover for the Irish. Phil. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm picking the Irish to win, but Duke to cover. I think this is about a three-point game. The Riley Leonard factor for Mad Dog. Uh, I will take Notre Dame. I'm assuming they're going to have 11 people on the field on defense <laughs> in critical junctures of the game this week. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to take Notre Dame athleticism over Duke's coaching, which has been outstanding by Coach Elko. But I'll take the Irish to cover. J.C.? Yeah, I think it's going to be there's going to be some exciting moments and, and probably some moments where uh, Irish fans are like, for goodness' sake! But uh, um, I think I think they end up pulling away at the end by about ten. Wallace Wade Stadium, a uh, little history nugget here: it's the only stadium uh, until a few years ago during COVID when AT and T Stadium in Dallas hosted the Rose Bowl. This hosted the Rose Bowl, and in 1942, after Pearl Harbor. The Duke Blue Devils and everybody's favorite program, the Oregon State Beavers, uh, squared off in the Rose Bowl at Wallace Wade Stadium while Wallace Wade was the coach at Duke. Wallace Wade also was a coach at Alabama and back then left Alabama to go coach at Duke. 
How about that? So Love this. There, there's some, Love this. There's some little uh, just nice history there. Nice. I, 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 I've, been, I've been sitting there looking all that up. You notice I've been conspicuously quiet today. JC, JC, that's called a that's called a pop quiz, right? Yeah, exactly. A pop uh, quiz. I see what so there's, you did there's, there. there's my little uh, my little nugget there. But that's, I, I uh, will see. I will see your Wallace Wade Intel, JC, and I will raise you two memorable concerts at Wallace Wade. Oh, April twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one. The Grateful Dead was in town, <laughs> and October the eighth, two thousand and five. The Ageless Rolling Stones came to Wallace Wade as wow. part of the Bigger Bang Tour. Jeez. Man, right. place is awesome. That is the All most right. information Rich. ever said on any show about Wallace Wade Stadium. <laughs> well, yeah. And so I wins. take pride in that. Uh, all right, fifth and final. You know, on the fifth one, we go inside a, the Gamecock game for a particular prop bet. Tennessee... Right now is the number one rushing team in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Mentioned that loss against Florida. 30 carries, just 100 yards. That was a difference in that game. Florida yep, no doubt. stymied the run. Over, under, Tennessee yards per carry, 4.0. JC. Oh, four. I thought... I thought this was five, Mike. Wait, I I, I, I'm sorry. It was a late change. It was a late change. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, no, he I thought five with two. Yeah. Wait. It's well, now hold screen, on a guys. second look at, the, look at the screen, everybody. Yeah, but, but that's not what it is on the app. I'm having to do this on the fly. I have to <laughs> but, go over. But, I have to guy, go over. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. The it's app already is five, five on the app. All right. We've already had participants. All right. All right. We'll change it to five. We'll change it to five. I think it'd be a okay. Well, yeah, that's we can we can do our <laughs> little little version of this at four if you'd like. No, but the no, app no, guys no, are no. going to have to go with five. Uh, we'll we'll stay with five. I think it'd be a better prop at four, but five. Well, put it this way: now Tennessee is averaging six point two yards per carry, so the number one in yardage and yards per carry. So five, while that seems like a high number, would actually be low for Tennessee this year as a whole. Right. right. So uh, five, it is. JC over under 5.0. Uh, I'm going to go under five. I wouldn't have done it if it were four, but yeah, under five, I know. Under five. I know. This kind of, this kind of, <laughs> oh, this one kills me. And I came up with the damn question. Um, I will go under as well. And I think mm. if, if you can keep them under that, that, that portends very well for, the Gamecocks, and I, I'm telling you right now, if you can make Joe Milton beat you, as opposed to their their three running backs grounding and pounding all night long, uh, it's a much better setup, a much, 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 much better scenario. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go under, but remember, they are averaging over six per carry. They had one bad game on the ground, mm-hmm. so we'll see. Mad Dog. Yeah, I'm going under the five. I was going to go over the four, even though I was still considering it. The only problem with making Joe Milton beat you is that he can do it with his legs, and that's what scares me going into this Saturday. So, But I'm still going under on the five. And he would be part of that, that running attack. Yeah. I mean, that would sure. obviously factor in. Just like last week, the question, if if you bet under on Gamecock running backs, you were a winner, but 
Spencer Rattler had the two longest runs from scrimmage all year, uh, both yeah. over 16 yards in the win against Mississippi State. So yeah, I, th- I, I, I'm, I'm under five as well. I, I, I think it's going to be somewhere in the low fours, four, two, four, three. I, I think Carolina is beginning to find some answers up there, uh, with that run defense. And um, last week they sold out to stop it. They're not going to sell out to stop it this week, but they're gonna, they're gonna give enough to, to. Well, to make him have to beat them through the air. So, what if uh, I gave you over under on Gamecocks yards per attempt, and I did uh, uh, three and a half? Uh, prob- prob- I, I mean, look, they I'd haven't been over. over. So I'd take the under. I'd take, I'd take the I'd over here. Would you? Yeah, uh, I'd, take the, I'd take the under. Push. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, that's what I was thinking. JC is probably going to be right <laughs> around there. So uh, they're averaging three point eight, but you know. Uh, I don't know. Well, Tennessee hasn't been super duper. Uh, the one team they faced stopping the run. So that's right. And Florida hadn't that's necessarily been able to run it on everybody. So that's right. Know. But weird. they did run on Tennessee. I mean, so many of these numbers are still tilted because I mean, like at least in Carolina's case, you've had three legitimate opponents. That's more yeah. than almost every team in the league. Mm. Georgia hadn't had one yet. Uh, Tennessee has had one. But a lot of teams loaded up their cream puffs early in the year, and so some of these numbers are a little tilted to say the least. Yeah, I don't think Carolina runs for 150 or 200 yards in this game, but I do think they'll get over 100, and that bodes well for them because they're 14 one under Shane when they do that. Well, let's do uh, that for the tiebreaker. Yards. Let's do yards. that for the yeah. Let's do that for the tiebreaker for our our listeners participating in the Salsaritas Fab Five well, Challenge. The, oh, the tie- we. The tiebreaker was already up there too. What'd you make? What'd you put? Well, I, I had to put something there. You can't put it up there. Uh, total yeah. yards for South Carolina at Tennessee. Okay, total I'm yards. good with that. Okay. Total yards. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Don't worry, Mike. I got you. you send me these incomplete forms. I got. I got to fix them. Fill them out. You know, well, you know, we we missed you last week, so we were we were kind of like we were in a different universe, just kind of going on the fly, seat of our pants, still trying to make the Fab Five work without all the. <laughs> Without all the craftsmanship that only Jamie uh, Bradford can provide. Yeah, that was brutal. That was tough to do. <laughs> you get a little Seriously. Uh, I, I was like, I was like, probably I had like, my best week. It was like ground ball <laughs> strike. <laughs> like, like, ball. When you, when you, oh. yeah, yeah, my ball. Like, when Euchre went out, up in the bag, Marty, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I hadn't run point in a long time. So, I was like, oh. Okay, so <laughs> it's a little bit different vibe around here when you're not here, JB. So was it was it like Bruce Ellington point? Was it no? Wasn't Trey Kelly point? Um, it was. It wasn't Devin Downey point. No, like maybe like Dozier. Name, name the who's the worst point guard they've had. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it wasn't. Was the that, worst. Uh, go back to. Uh, some of those Frank Martin teams after Dozier left did not have very good point guards. Yeah, so. it was kind of a who'd we get in the T- portal? TJ, what's his name from Memphis? He was. Uh, he didn't, he didn't last long, did he? Is that the guy? No, you're talking about? he died. He actually in that Kentucky game you called though, Mike, with Carolina won on that Cousinard shot. He actually TJ Moss was his name. Oh Moss, he, yeah, yeah. He Moss actually had a good one. Good, he had yeah, a really good yeah. game that game. Yeah, we kept them in the game, um, but 
Yeah, I think I'm a little like a point guard wise, TJ Moss esque. <laughs> can't shoot. I don't. Can't really pass. I'll, can't dribble. Well, there there was a kid. Uh, I, that, I personally will always. Well, Mike, you're you're the only actual basketball player on this set here, so. Um, just heard your basketball yesterday game. playing. See, you know, just, I yeah, just found another injury. If I have to be the point guard around here, I, I I will. I as much as I appreciate all of those fine gentlemen you just mentioned, I will never get away from my childhood hero, the great Melvin Watson. So I'll oh, be Melvin for this program. Oh, Watson was a badass. Melvin that's, Watson was. That's a, my guy. That's my guy. Killer crossover. The crossover against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, on on that was on national TV. I was watching that game, but it was before I came to Columbia. But yeah, Melvin was. That's, that's my serious guy. Player man. I had in 2017 when I had the morning show, Mike, um, on over at ESPN um, when they were making their run in the tournament. I had one morning where I had Melvin, BJ, and Larry Davis all on together. Really? That was that was the neatest. How would you pull that off? Were they? I just I just something? asked them. That's what everybody kept asking me. How'd you get? How'd you do that? I said I just asked them. They said yes. See, that's that's why you're Jamie Bradford. You know, it was the yeah. neatest morning. I had goosebumps all the time. I couldn't believe I was talking to these that's guys. That's awesome. The time. I've had all three of those guys on separately, mm-hmm. never on the same time, same show. Oh, it was a complicated process. My producer, I didn't bet know it was what he was doing, but uh, you know, he couldn't figure out that you could put one on hold and then call the next one. That's what the board's for. <laughs> Just put them on hold. You, it's, you know, you don't don't hang up yeah. on him. The point is to have them on together. So. Right. Yeah. I, had, I mean, I had a full time producer and couldn't pull that stuff off. We yeah. just we were happy to get one guest on at a time, and hopefully, the board didn't blow up and well, somebody didn't back out and all that. Good that's stuff. pretty much how it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, but now we got man. Phil. I mean, I I don't worry about anything. We got Phil at the controls. Down. I mean, it, it's a, it overall. There's going to be a little turbulence now and then. It's still it's, we do this live, but it's a pretty smooth ride, I must say. Pretty pretty smooth. Smooth. Like you, you shoot for the two hit shutout. You're not going to throw the perfect game. Yeah, you're not going to throw the perfect game. For that two hit shutout. <laughs> That's right. Mike sounded like right. Bill O'Reilly. We're going to do it live. Oh, I've seen that clip. Seen uh, Bill O'Reilly had an interview with Tucker Carlson yesterday on Twitter. It was- Ooh. Pretty, pretty interesting. Wow. If if you like like what goes into TV network decisions and things like that, it was uh, oh it was yeah. Between the two of them, I bet they wanted to blow the doors they, off. They didn't have a lot of good things to say about the Murdochs, uh, the yeah. Rupert Murdochs. You know, so it, not to confuse, not to be confused with the family that had the dad kill two yeah. people. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly that guy. Oh, oh well, you, you <laughs> which I just Alex watched Murdoch, on Netflix. No. They're fine, just, but I Rupert. Just finish that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you had to pick one Murdoch family, which one's it going to be? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know if the Murdochs are great people, but they haven't killed anybody the last time I checked. <laughs> Not that we're aware of. Not that we're aware of. I mean, you know. That's for sure. Well, I uh, really appreciate, uh, Mike, you screwing up this entire Salsaritas thing. I hope all of our listeners <laughs> yeah. will continue to play. Is everybody so confused forward. now? Please, I, I need to confuse somebody a little bit more. Be more we've happy got, to do so. Luckily, we've got four, five, six, seven, ten entries in the last 
10 minutes. So Yeah, uh, again, just if, if you want to be able to win the prize, you've got to be able to be in Columbia to pick it up. So yeah. just an it, FYI. You can, you can pick it up on like a Saturday morning on yeah. your tailgate, right? Absolutely. Game, game day. Yeah. Game day. Absolutely. Yeah, our, yeah. our first winner, uh, I forgot the name already, but that's what he did. He was from about a half hour away, and he picked it up in person. But Suki will, Suki will take good care of you. Okay. But uh, this will awesome. certainly be this is a Columbia prize, if you will. It's not gonna we're not gonna ship a Fiesta pack to your house. <laughs> not the uh, the chips. <laughs> chips was... might be a little soggy. Yeah. But, you know. Guacamole doesn't keep well in, in a box in the mail. <laughs> no. It comes out like a uh, tiny, tiny Mexican wharf rat that talks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, I'm here with your box. <laughs> <laughs> From Sauce <laughs> Rivas. <laughs> With that same back. music that Phil found. I can't wait till next week. I'm going to get upstairs. Incidentally, a- Mariachi Loco, which means crazy mariachi, which I thought was just perfectly fitting for what it is that we do here. That's right. Well, I'm going to get my guys at Grain and Barrel to see if they can't send me a bottle of tequila and a sombrero before we do this uh, segment next Saturday, Saturday Thursday. Whatever. We figure out what's the best tequila uh, choice. We don't have a tequila yeah. sponsor, but I've got I'll, a few. I'll probably just stay with the bourbon. I'm okay. a big vodka <laughs> and chicken cock guy, so I'll just do the bourbon and call, we'll call it tequila. Yeah, tequila brings out the worst in some people. Uh, yeah, I'm not. A, I don't do tequila, man. Yeah, it's a lot just, of people. It's not. I'm good with the first one. The second one, because first one goes down like it's nothing. You drink a margarita. Yeah, it's like it's nothing. And the second one, it, you just drink it down like it's, you know, a glass of juice and then it's oh okay I'm, now i'm feeling something here third hey, one last, you, problems the last <laughs> time i know you're getting cut off in mexico at epcot well yeah. hey, right. <laughs> hey i was about to say the last time i took consecutive shots of tequila they found me by a dumpster and a guy with a leather jacket was standing over the top of me so wow there's was, a lot i was we only could... 21 years old there's a lot of gaps in that story we could fill and i don't know if i want to i i can't fill them i don't all i know is <laughs> Flint grabbed me and said, we've got to get out of here. So if case. the worst of you is the contents of your stomach, then you're right. Hey. <laughs> exactly what tequila has an effect on What's he, what does he say, JC? <laughs> Didn't we lock you in a dumpster? I got out. Oh, Jamie had Jeez. two. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. I gotta go. We got to go. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow at 11. It's Friday on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. See, See you, guys. Enjoyed See it. See you, Mike. Thanks.